Hello to those of you joining us online. Hi, Mom. My mom watches online, so hi, Mom. (laughs) My mom's going to really have loved worship this morning when she watches it. She's going to say when I talk to her this week, I just love when Megan sings old songs. And I'm starting to feel old because there's a couple that she's singing that I really like. And I realize that to the teenagers, those are old songs. And that's hurting my feelings a little bit. I turn 40 this coming up couple weeks. Amen. Right? Some of you are as stunned by that as I am. Since some of you in here remember me when I was 12. We've grown old together, friends. We've grown old together. We're wrapping up our Easter series this week. Our Easter series has been called Resurrecting Hope. And and this week, we're going to kind of wrap that up. The title of the message today is The Space Between Us. The Space Between Us. You know, after Jesus... um, After he was dead and buried and he rose again, he revealed himself multiple times. And I love the ways in which he revealed himself to his followers. You know, he revealed himself to Mary and there she was in the midst of such grief and sorrow. And he revealed himself to her and he just said, Mary. And as soon as he spoke her name, she knew that it was him. He met her right in the midst of her grief. He met two of his followers on the road to, on, to Emmaus, and he just showed up and began to talk with them. And he spent time talking with them and fellowshipping with them. He showed up behind locked doors to fearful followers and reassured them. He reinstated and restored Peter. He showed up in so many different ways after the resurrection. So many different ways he showed up after the resurrection than the ways that he showed up before it. So many different ways. This whole series has been about overcoming life's challenges and realizing that the hope of Jesus Christ, the resurrection hope that we have, gives us power to overcome every challenge. And listen, there is no challenge that you are facing today that is beyond the reach of his healing and restoring and understanding touch. There is no challenge that can outdo his hope. Hope, I heard this statement, hope is a commitment to the future. It's a commitment to the future. And no one is more committed to your future than the God who said, I who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. There is no one more committed to your future than Jesus who is the resurrection hope. That's a reassuring thought to have. Jesus is hope resurrected. His resurrection is the well of hope that we draw from. All cannot be lost because he has been found. That song, we said, just to take him at his word, just to know, thus saith the Lord. But today I want to talk about one of the areas that's the hardest for hope to find itself a way into, and that's the space between us. One of the hardest places for hope to get itself into is that space in between us and them, you and me, that space of unity. 
It was very interesting because the, the scripture that I landed on today that was kind of we had laid out was a scripture that it actually had talked about back in January that was kind of the basis um, for our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it was the last words, the last prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. Let's look at some of these words today in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about the disciples. My prayer is not for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Can we say one? Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am. To see your glory you have given me because you have loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. One, one unity. His final prayer was for unity. And you know what? He tells us exactly what unity looks like and how it works. I think there's some ideas when we think of unity that we think of like people um, holding hands on a field drinking a Coke. Y'all remember that commercial? I want to give the world a Coke, right? That's what we think of as unity. We just think about a bunch of different people holding hands with each other, right? It's kind of changed since COVID because I really don't want to hold your hand anymore. We're not going to do that. We're also not going to share a Coke anymore. There's none of that, that whole share a Coke thing not happening anymore, right? Unity, though, is more than us just holding hands and sharing something with each other. What is unity? How does it actually work? Well, he tells us in this verse, he says, the first thing that unifies us is Knowing that you have sent me. Knowing that you have sent me. Knowing that I am continuing to make you known. So it's really, it's God himself and Jesus in us that unifies us. Jesus doesn't give a list of rules and opinions that we are supposed to share with the person next to us to be unified. He literally says, I am what unifies you. I am what brings unity to you. There's this quote from this guy named A.W. Tozer. Listen to what he says. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned with each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, listen to this, not to each other but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers 
meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be when they became unity conscious, turning their ways, their selves to look at each other. When we spend our time looking to each other for unity, we just get further apart. So in youth, we play this little game when we have to divide up into teams. We have all the kids stand in a big huddle, okay? And I'll say, if you like books, go to that side. And if you like movies, go to that side. And so they'll split into two groups, right? And then within the two groups, I'll say, if you like chocolate, go over here. And if you like fruity candy, go over here. Well, then the groups are remixed again, right? And every question that I ask, none of the groups stay the same right? Because somebody who likes books may also like fruity candy, but somebody who likes books may also like chocolate candy, right? Because there's never going to be a point in time when we have everything in common. There's never going to be a point where we're all going to walk through the same shape and the same mold and fit in the exact same space. We are not meant to look to each other to find unity, I cannot look at you and think of all the things that we have in common. In fact, some of the best people in my life, the most significant people in my life, I have nothing in common with. (laughs) Let's be real, right? It is not the things that we share in common that bring us to unity. What unifies us? Jesus says, hey, guess what? It's me that unifies If I spend all my time walking around looking for who looks like me, fits like me, thinks like me, I'm always going to find one thing that'll make me not like you. One thing. Man, we could get a good list going of all of our favorite things, but there's going to come one thing that's going to divide us. Jesus tells us, I am the unity. There's so much to divide us in this world. So the question really is, is one thing enough to unite us? The real questions that those of us who are followers of Christ have to ask ourselves is, is Jesus actually enough to unite us? Man, that's a hard question. Because there's a lot to divide us. There's a lot to divide us. But Jesus says that he is what unifies us. That God's love for us is what unifies us. So the question is, is Jesus going to be enough to unify us? Can we, oh, here we go. Can we let Jesus be enough to unify us? It's not really, though, just Jesus and the stories of Jesus that brought unity. Because it's not miracles that unite us, it's scars that do. I read some interesting stuff this week just following up on Easter and the resurrection. And you know, Jesus was dead and buried and he rose again. Perfected. And do you know that even after resurrection, he still had the scars on his hands and feet? Because resurrection doesn't mean you don't have scars. It's proof that you were dead and now you are alive. Scars prove resurrection. You don't have resurrection without them. I want you to hear that today. What unites each and every one of us who are followers of Christ 
is that we were wounded and the wounded Savior healed us. And it is his resurrection healing power inside of us that unifies us. I was wounded. You were wounded. And the same thing that healed me healed you. I was broken. You were broken. The same thing that healed me healed you. It was the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ that unified each and every one of us. In Luke chapter 24, I don't know that I want to read all of these verses, but maybe. Yeah, let's just read all of them. Can you lean in with me to scripture today? I think sometimes it can get, when somebody's reading to you, I try to not read boring. Um, I try to remember my uh, oral interpretation of literature class in college where they taught me how to read books to kids to kind of make it interesting and not boring. Can we lean into scripture today? The word of God does not return void. So if you get nothing else from my message, the word of God coming into your ears is something good for us. Let's lean into this moment where Jesus shows up to his followers. The guys from Emmaus showed up and they had been telling people about running into Jesus and that he was alive. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened thinking that they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do your doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still not did believe it because of joy and amazement. You ever been so amazed by something you couldn't believe it? It was too good to be true is what that verse is telling us. They saw it. They touched it. But they almost couldn't believe it because of the joy and amazement that they felt. He asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them. He left them and was taken up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. He showed them the scars. What unites us isn't a good man who did good things and told good stories. It was a savior who was wounded for us. What unites us is not a competition or a voter card or who had went through this and who knows that or who lives here or who lives there. What unites us is that there is a Savior who showed up behind your locked doors in the midst of your fear and your heartache. 
heartache and your brokenness. And he said, here I am. It's me. Touch me. Feel me. Know I am with you. I have come to fulfill what was spoken. I was dead and buried and resurrected to fulfill what was promised. The Messiah has come. It is me. I am here. I have shown up in your life. That's what unifies us is that that is all of our stories. That is the story that connects us. I have holes and cracks and he has healed them. See my scars too. They remind me that he resurrected me too. I had a kid this week come and ask me this question. It was, he wanted to know what the Bible said about a current social issue. And I said, ask your parents. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 no. I just want you to tell me, what does the Bible say about it? And I said, why do you want to know? Why do you want to know what the Bible says about that issue? Is it because you are searching for that answer? How did this question come out? Well, we were in class and we started talking and then so-and-so said this and then me and somebody else, we said this and we were disagreeing on this. And I said, so you want to know what the Bible says about this because you want me to tell you you're right. Right? No, 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 no. Yes, that's it. And let's be honest, that was a child, but we all got to be real too. There's a lot of times where we would really just like to be able to be right. Because being right is better than being wrong. But Jesus' scars are not a weapon for us to wound other people. Jesus' words were not meant to wound. It says that the word of God is like a double-edged sword. And it slices the bone from the... Do you know that that kind of cut is so smooth? It doesn't leave a jagged edge. I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't even ice a cake. It's like a known thing. If you give me the icing and the cake, I will somehow mess it up. And there will be crumbs in the icing and everything else. I can't cut vegetables. I can't do it. You give me a sharp knife, you're like, just slice it. It's going to look like a cat tried to do it. I cannot do it, right? Because I am not skilled when it comes to slicing things, right? So let me tell you something. When I take the double-edged sword, the word of God, and I take it, and I try to take it to someone else's life, you know what I'm doing? I'm cutting them to pieces. I'm not equipped. It is God who comes in and can use his word to get right to the heart of the matter. We might need to be careful that we're not using the word of God as a sledgehammer to someone's life rather than allowing God to use it to get to the heart of what needs to be healed and fixed and corrected. The word of God is not so you can be right. Jesus said, I came to heal you. All your broken spots. All of your broken spots. Listen, I don't know. I feel like there's somebody here today that even coming to church today was a bit of a challenge for you. Not because of getting up and getting ready. But because maybe you just felt like this was a show. That you don't even really know if this is what you believe in. 
You don't know if it's true for you. It just doesn't feel, feel real. And you don't even know why you're here today. And God said that tugging that you feel to be here, that's, that's that power that he put in that hole that was broken in you. And it will always long for him. It will always draw itself back to him. You were broken. I was broken. And he healed us. I think talking about unity is difficult because it sounds a lot of times like you're saying that you can't tell the truth. That you can't speak the truth to someone who's in the wrong space or doing the wrong things. And that's not true. But do you know that every time that Jesus spoke the truth to someone, he was generally alone with them? When he spoke to the woman at the well, and he said, I, your five husbands and the one you live with now is not your husband. It was just him and her. He didn't do that in front of a crowd of people. The only people he corrected in front of a crowd of people were people who claimed to be followers of God who were messing things up. When Jesus spoke to people, when he healed them, when he told them to go and sin no more, it was personal. It was intimate. He was with them. He was in their brokenness. He was in their space. He was healing their wounds while he was pointing them to life and repentance and himself. He got into the nitty gritty with them. And all I'm saying today is that there is a space between us and it cannot be healed by I am right. We've got too many hills we're trying to die on and Jesus died on the only one that matters. This is the hill I'm going to die on. Who told you to climb that hill and die on it? Jesus climbed to the top of Calvary and he willingly let himself be placed on a cross. The God who stood not long before and the devil looked at him and said, I know you have power to call down the angels to rescue you. At any moment, he could have struck down everybody who touched him. But he willingly climbed to the top of Calvary and allowed himself to be broken and beaten and pierced so that there was no wound, no sin, no failure that could separate you and I from the presence of Jesus Christ. And if God went to that length, make sure that you're not putting yourself in between where he has done and where that person needs to be. You don't want to be the stumbling block between someone and their encounter with Jesus on your mission to be right. That is hard to say to myself as well today. But sometimes my desire to be right has created a stumbling block between someone else and their path to healing and finding Jesus because I got in the way. Today, he really wants each of us, one of us, to remember that we can touch and see his scars and that our scars are healed and reminds us that he saw fit to heal them. He saw fit 
to heal them and that if he was crazy enough to see fit to save my broken self, then he sees fit to save everyone. If he saw fit to save me, knowing the thoughts in my mind and the things that I wrestled with, knowing the paths that I've gone down, if he saw fit to heal me and save me, then he sees fit to heal everyone. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Can I be honest? I I knew what I was going to be preaching. I've known since the direction of this message since um, February, about when uh, Pastor Jeremy and I sat down and began to plan Easter. So it should not have surprised me that this week I was talking about unity. And do you know that I still gave bad advice this week? Really bad advice? (laughs) Um, I did not point towards humble, gentle, patient love in my advice. He's working on me, (laughs) y'all. Is he working on you? He's working on me. (laughs) He's working on me. Unity is hard. It's hard. It's hard when you see someone going down a path that you know is leading to destruction and you just want to grab them and say, get yourself together. (laughs) This is not what God wants for you. And you just want to tell somebody and put them in their place. I can put somebody in their place. I don't think it's a gift because it's not really from the Lord. But I can put somebody in their place. (laughs) And I feel like the Lord is saying, I need you to not put people in their place. I need you to put them in my place. I need you to stop escorting people to the signs of their destruction. I need you to quit letting people know um, how wrong they are. And I need you just to point people to me. Could you stop wounding people, Lindsay? People have got enough wounds. They already need to be healed enough. See, when I pause and I start to think about all of the big wounds that God has healed in my life, and then I also remember that sometimes the most painful wounds are not stab wounds, they're paper cuts sting and sting and sting and hurt. I don't want to wound people. And I don't want for the space between me and them to become even bigger. Because Jesus said, I have called you to be unified together as one. I had a good friend telling me this week about a situation that happened at his work. There was a man that he worked with that, um, Things went very badly for him. Very badly. 
His coworkers ended up having to go to his home, um, help, his, help him pack his things. He was in a distraught relationship situation that was collapsing. He was hiding out and sleeping not in his own bed. He was eat up with sickness that led him to have to be in the hospital. Everything went wrong in that man's life. And one of the things that we discussed is what a wonderful man he was and how good he was at his job and how everybody um, just looked at him with admiration and how he put on a brave face every day and no one knew the depths at which he was at until it all exploded. And I just thought, how many people do we pass every day? And they're not living and making choices that align with the word of God. And when we look at them, we side-eye them. We say something hurtful under our breath. Even more, not the person in the distance, but the person who's close to us. We say something hurtful to we. We think, why can't they just get it together? How many times have we thought that? Why can't they just get it together? You know why they can't get it together? Because they're broken. Because they're hurting. Because life has knocked holes in them and broken them down. And they don't need your judgment or for you to come in and tell them how to fix their life and how to get it together. They need you to say, here are my scars. Here is my life. Touch my life. See my life. It's Jesus who healed me. The Bible says that we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Why does it not say for us to be the head of Jesus? It says for us to be the hands and feet. Because you know what Jesus bore on his hands and feet? That's where he bore the signs of what he conquered. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, not blemish, blemish-free, manicured hands and pedicured feet that have never touched the dirt. We are the hands and feet of a Savior who walked from place to place, who spit on his hands and rubbed dirt in people's eyes to heal them, who took his fingers and put them on people's tongues, who got pierced in his hands and stabbed with nails in his feet, who walked and carried the scars of the weight of humanity. Jesus says, be my hands and be my feet. Take the scars of what I did and take them to someone else and say, here is the healing power of Jesus Christ. May it resurrect and heal your brokenness like it has healed mine. And until you are invited in, until they bear open to you their brokenness, they do not need your judgment. You can be right and wrong at the same time. But rightness without unity does nothing but expand the gap between us and them. It's hard. Think of the ways he showed up after the resurrection. To Mary in her grief. To the disciples in their fear. To Peter in his self-loathing. To Thomas in his doubt. And to all of them, he said, 
not, you've messed this up. (laughs) What did he say to them when he saw them? It's me. It's me. I am here. I am here. I know there's some people in our life today, even myself, I had to remind myself that I may have given bad advice this week, but I can apologize for that and I can move forward. I can go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, that was, that was the wrong advice to give you. <laughs> but wherever you are today, and it may be you that needs to hear this, but there may be somebody right now in your mind who you are thinking of. He is here. That's all they need to know. As soon as Mary heard her name, she knew it was Jesus. As soon as he told Peter and the disciples to throw their nets over, they knew that it was Jesus. As soon as he had the opportunity to speak directly to them, they recognized his voice. If your voice doesn't sound like Jesus is saying, I am here, the world will not recognize it. Because how does the world know that we are his by our love for each other? So our voice has got to sound like Jesus's to the people who are in grief and self-loathing and fear. Our voice needs to sound like Jesus is here. Take him at his word. He is here. Because the space between us is paved with resurrecting hope. That was fun. I don't want it to sound like I am passing judgment on any of us sitting here for knowing what is right according to God's word and what is not. We know that. We know what's right and what's not. But we also have to know what's first. This world is in desperate need of the voice of Jesus. They're in desperate need of people who are linked together hand in hand. And what connects my hand to your hand is the scars that show that I was healed and I was broken. Not my perfect manicured hands, which I will never have, by the way. But the fact that there's scars on them. That space between us is big, but it's paved with hope. Can we be the Easter people? Hallelujah is our song. He is risen and resurrected. Can we live like that? Can we live like people who have been saved? Can we live like people who were lost but now are found? Can we live like people who were broken and now are healed? Can we live like people who are a work in progress? Can we live like people who are a work in progress? 
in that space together. I want to just take a moment today. I'm going to let Megan sing this just a little bit. Just to take him as his word. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. This was one of my um, great aunt's favorite songs. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's probably the song, a favorite song of many of the older people in our lives. <laughs> but it's slowly become one of my favorite choruses to sing to myself. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, to take him at his word, to know thus saith the Lord. Listen today, if you're carrying some wounds that feel open and raw and unhealed, if you are walking down some roads that you know, man, this is not it. Today, Jesus wants you to know that he loves you. And despite what others may have said, despite what you may have spoken over yourself today, Jesus wants you to know that he is here. He sees you. He loves you. He is not turning away from your brokenness. He is leaning into it today. And he wants to heal you. And today, if maybe you have felt bristled, by the world like your nerves are on end like everything that happens just rubs you the wrong way because this world just can't get it together right sometimes all of the things hey we're not of this world right we know where our kingdom is it's not here we know that we're destined for eternity with Jesus Christ but in the meantime we can't become so bristled up to the world that we're like a porcupine instead of a safe place to land today let's just take a moment to remind ourselves of the privilege that it is to have heard Jesus call us to know he is with us to have been healed by him and to be able to say tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and may we be encouraged each and every day to close the space between us with the resurrecting hope of Jesus Christ amen let's take a moment so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take him at his word just to
ਜੀ